I have this drive of where like, do not say, no, I can't do this. <laughs> I wish there were more opportunities. I, I think there will be. I think that if laws and censorship exist more, there will be more. Hello, and welcome to the Theatre Art Life podcast, sponsored by Harlequin Floors, the world leader in floors, stage systems, and studio equipment for the performing arts. Our podcast puts the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the world, the cultural creators, the backstage masters. My name is Anna Rock. And my name is Anna Aguilera. We're talking to Maria Foyadaisen about her work as a set designer and an installation artist. Maria is an award-winning Chilean set designer and installation artist who advocates for the use of recycled materials in large-scale shows. She's earned several awards and relevant recognition for her work, such as a full tuition scholarship at NYU in set design and a National Artist Award in Chile. Maria, welcome to Theatre Art Life. Hi. How are you today? <laughs> I'm good. That's hot cool. outside. It is. <laughs> nice it is. to be inside talking to you guys. <laughs> so <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself and, and maybe a little bit how you got into set design and installations before we get into the details of how you like to work with recycled materials. Well, I actually got into it because I like to work with recycled materials. <laughs> I studied art and I didn't really have money to pay for art materials. And I was a bit of a gypsy, just like didn't have a like a like a solid space to live or or to like have a workshop so I just used like the facilities of the university or wherever I would be you know find my day so the best way to like kind of deal with that was collecting cardboard boxes and just making all my artwork from the cardboard box because I could just like carry my cardboard boxes around leave my cardboard boxes in places no one would steal them <laughs> <laughs> It was like not attractive. And I started making these little miniature sets inside the cardboard boxes at the beginning. And I was always interested like with storytelling. Mm, it was the, I was always making up stories to then try to make something as a, as a form of art or installation. But I was always, I think the core was about having people stop and look and observe a story and then appreciate a material that was garbage and that could regain a new value. So that's kind of what I went through in art school. And I think it wasn't well received in art school because no one knew how to really deal with it. There was like storytelling. What's like your core conceptual art piece about? And I'm like, stories <laughs> and cardboard. <laughs> oh, and then also I was like the first generation that my art department had, the visual arts had moved into a new campus in Chile. So this is Santiago, Chile, Universidad Católica. And basically we, they put like art, music and theater together. And I just started getting along with the theater people most. I had like friends in the arts some friends in music department, but I really clicked to the theater people because I liked the collaborative style of work, like a round table and everyone just like kind of meshing in ideas. So I was like on the side also just like playing around with them and having fun and creating with all my, my like theater people friends. And little by little, I just like started doing things with them. When I graduated, I continued collaborating with a few of these people on and off. 
I was always kind of like the art girl to them. I did a few theater plays in Chile, which were cool and made out of garbage and stuff. And then I I started to like be able to do my art, really, to work in, in advertisement and in film and in TV. So, yeah, it was like three careers, right? I was like sometimes collaborating with theater. I was always doing my artwork, which kind of just built off on on creating with garbage and then also social environmental responsibility and then doing film and ironically advertisement <laughs> to pay for my bills. And at some point I decided that coming to do a grad school in New York was a way to converge all these areas. So, and yeah, then I, it was like coming to New York was becoming a more professional set designer, I guess. So you went to do set design right away, like you knew already you wanted to do theater by then? No, it wasn't about, it was about, I knew that set design implied storytelling, language and the skill sets to build in space and a more collaborative process of work, which I was always tapping into myself in Chile, but never really professionally like consolidated that. I was always kind of making that up. So I understood that coming to study grad school of scenic design was going to put me really focused in those three things. It's such a good, I mean, when we talk about, you know, making things out of trash and recycled materials, I mean, theatre and a lot of the events that I've worked on, especially in places like the UAE, which we were just talking about earlier on another podcast, they just create so much waste for like one day and trade shows, you know, when they build all those trade show booths and then at the end of it, it's just, it's piles and piles of trash, you know, it's crazy. So in your, you know, in your philosophy, like, you know, what would you say people need to sort of really focus on when we talk about using recycled materials for shows? Like what's your approach and, and does it affect your design and, and, and ha- how does that work for you? Yeah, it's a complete change of mindset, which I haven't had, like, to be truthful, I, I, I'm i looking to, you know, really start doing that here in the US. It's been harder than I thought. It's actually quite hard. Uh, the opportunities to do that are, haven't really consolidated yet. I hope they will. I have faith in humanity. <laughs> Here's the thing. Social environment, I mean, environmental justice goes along with social justice. It's hand in hand. To do conscious environmental work in film and advertisement, which they should truly push for, you need to create laws and make people do it. You need to change mindset of humanity. You need to like create, you know, a dynamic where we're less of a disposable society where everything would just like want to eat it and then toss it away. Um, and, you know, nowadays relationships are like that. Uh, our food is like that. Our furniture is like that. Everything's being. So it's so it's interesting because, you know, it for a production to really engage and want to be an upcycle uh, work, which you're not you're through art. You're not going to solve the issues. You're going to expand consciousness about it. You're going to incentivate people to look at what they think is just toss away and waste you're gonna you're gonna make them look at it and see value and and make themselves responsible with that attitude so it's a social issue right 
in, in a practical way, you, you need to have production companies that want to invest in process. Uh, you need to have the space to collect the material, the time to. You have to have the space to not prefabricate a huge idea because garbage is going to show up in mysterious ways and through places that are needed to be cleaned up. There's a, and I'll be your hair. <laughs> yeah. So basically, what what you need to do is is look at the process of it as a social justice process, right? You need to make you need to bring down the egos of what you want to, you know, like I want to shine on my own. No, it's like. It's like you have to create a process, work with TDs and designers and producers that are willing to do the process of cleaning up places and working with communities, recollecting the garbage, uh, figuring out how to use it, storytell with it correctly. And then you need to be responsible with what happens with that afterwards. And even when you do build sets and you have flats, just regular flats and props. If you're willing to really do the job of being more upcycle about it, you need time and people and you need to invest in people, basically. You need to invest in people. Yeah, and like you said, even if it's not from the from the outset where you're using upcycled stuff for the set design, at least when a set design has been built from new, that it goes somewhere useful afterwards, right? Like that it's not ending up in just the trash. Because I have seen in many many events and I've worked in Hong Kong for a few years as well and especially in in many parts of Asia the the and maybe it's everywhere but where I've experienced it tangibly like full rolls of new carpet just thrown in the bin because they've got nowhere to put it and you're like mm-hmm. Vegas is exactly the same there's got to be like social housing projects that could take that carpet you know like there's got to be an avenue and there's been a couple of times where an event manager or producer that I've worked with has really tried to at the end of an event move because maybe you know the carpet's been rolled out and taped down for what a day and then it's thrown out and it's why it's just it's criminal really when you think about people in the in other parts of the world in need of certain products and fabrics and things like that and then we're just throwing it in the bin (laughs) it's just yeah it is quite overwhelming when you start to pay attention to it and I think that's you know you said you know people awareness is the first step of like how much you're producing how much waste you're producing and what the impact is around you you know yeah it's people it's like it's it's really like I think yeah there has to be more producers in that way it's true I've I've occasionally been able, I've been on, a, on commercial uh, shoots, right? And and like running around the art department with a van full of things. And and I've myself out of my, like not even out of my free time, you know, like I, I remember one commercial I did recently and just the commercial was done on Friday and I asked the producer, well, I, I actually needed to return things. So I had like the van for the weekend because, and then I could return the van like on Tuesday, for instance. And I literally just took my free time and just made sure to get all these things to people that needed it. But no one was paying for that. And I think, yeah, it's, it's about social justice again, right? Like you need the production side to really, and that's done through laws. Mm. People are not going to change their their mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, some people are the true impact would be to, to really have like cultural law, just laws that Mm. make people responsible for, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder what's been your experience trying to uh, 
So I think in my experience, and this comes from my very personal experience working in the States, the awareness is there. The will is not. That was my experience. Like people know that we build a set for a weekend and we call the dumpster and toss it. Like say, man, I've trashed rolls of carpet. I've trashed rolls of duvetine. I've trashed like just things that I'm like, and I was like, can we, well, the, the, the most I've seen is either people calling a metal dumpster to recycle metal or the cup companies in York that if you let them know, they'll amend their processes so it's easier to pull apart and you could reuse some of the wood. But other than that, they know it's a problem. They know we generate a huge amount of trash. And they say they care, but nobody does a whole lot. So that's my experience. I'm a little sore about it. <laughs> I don't know what's been your experience. Yeah, no one really cares. I'm always kind of like the crazy girl going all, all OCD on it since ever. <laughs> that's my thing. And then I have this drive of where like, do not say, no, I can't do this. <laughs> So I'll like go beyond and just like take, but you know, people is like, oh, it's my time and you're not paying it. And I'm on the clock and that attitude, which is very much present here in the U S because life is so expensive is, is a problem is problematic to that sense because social justice nowadays is really about, unfortunately, is that you have to put yourself in an uncomfortable place to really understand and be empathetic with your surrounding and others. That's the bottom line right now. It's unfortunate, right? That shouldn't be it, the how it is, but that's what we're living, right? Like uh, you really do an effort and stop like getting plastic waste out of your food. I mean, I live in New York. I try to do it, but like the deli guys go crazy with me. I'm like, <laughs> um, it's uncomfortable and it makes others uncomfortable and, and it's, yeah, and it takes a lot of effort, um, unfortunately. So on productions, I've gone through like where I use my own time and my own space, and I and the extra effort that I put in makes that makes a little bit of like I try to contribute. I know that there's like companies. Well, I'm being lately contacted by companies that are more in Chile because I'm not more known for what I do in Chile. That are doing events that are going a set for, I don't know, a concert or, you know, like a speech or a conference and they need to, they don't want to just do a, a stand. They want to use like what the concepts that I, you know, upcycle. And that's like to the point I got to in Chile where it was like, yeah, I'll do it. And then people, companies went, were like, but you're using trash. So it should be cheap. And when you do the Excel, what you're investing in is in people and logistics, right? It's almost the same cost. I know that in Chile, like that's changing by law. And I also just like stopped being the artist that was helping companies wash their image, image with, which is what happens in this like narrative of changing a little bit the consciousness, you know? I don't know. New York has this Apparently, supposedly, I heard the year I got here that no more first use plastics of plastic bags, and yet no one abides by it. <laughs> but this is like the arts, right? What we can do is create like the the knowledge, just like 
put the chip inside the brain. From there on, technology and renewable energies, and that's science. And <laughs> yeah, maybe we can assimilate a kid to study how to solve the problem. Yeah, but you're you're right when it comes back to the laws because you know, in Hong Kong, you, they don't they're not allowed to give away plastic bags for free. You have to pay for them, so it incentivizes people to use bring their own bags, which most people do, and it's just a cultural shift that by a law that then just moves the needle a little bit to the right. It's not to say that plastic bags are not being produced, but um, it, it, it's that it's, it's that eking towards a practice that everybody has to do without being too overwhelming for uh, people to be like, oh, you're trying to change my world, right? People are very resistant to those sort of things. It's like, well, I like things the way they are, so don't make me change. And that's the frustrating point about it, I think. I want to ask, though, your... In terms of your when you're thinking about set design now, and and so what's that process of merging, you know, recycled materials and your process of design? So how does that work when you're when you're putting something together for a theatre show? That's been harder. Um, you know, I was trained at Tisch, and it's a very academic, classical type of scenic design uh, skill set, and it was good for me. And the skills that I gained were very important. Uh, to be able to be in the workforce, I do have to provide like a more, you know, make the model. Well, the models I make, I recycle the cardboard with it, which with I make it with. And then it's it's more about instead of thinking in a pretentious, flashy, commercial way of design, I think it's more about uh, always thinking about how to make it more simple, more how do you say like less less about the things and more about the story less about uh, making it look cool and more about like conceptual artistic work out of it. So really getting right, like the space and it's like core elements that it'll need. And, and I, I would say that what it's done to me is that I'm, I'm very much of a conceptual designer. Um, I, I will say like, I, I work more on, on like, I'm always thinking more about light and space and um human in space so I don't really build that much of a living room and need a flashy like this and you know like need to make the reality of the world put there on a set realistically um and then I also think that from all the experience with material I have so very technical I I do design with like an excel in my brain next to it right I don't think that a good design needs to be more expensive and buy and purchase and use more things. I think that's how it's influenced. The opportunities I've gotten really to do my, to combine my theater work with my artistic work, which is literally that I do things with like, like in Chile, I did a series of dragons where it was all like uh, repurposed, like plastic bottles that we got off the streets and off like schools and malls that were like people putting it and then we were washing the bottles and then we made with plastic you know use that as a prime material so that would be upcycling directly trash the opportunities I've gotten to do that use that type of work in theater have been two maybe three I wish there were more opportunities I I think there will be I think that if laws incentivate this more there will be more mm, I I do think that right now my interest would be to tap more into children theater and uh, more educational social responsibility through theater 
I think that would be a way because, you know, something that's great about theater in the U.S. is that it is an industry and that people do consume it, very different from Chile. <laughs> and the older audience is used to looking and admiring a certain type of storytelling. So I think we have to, like, really reach out into the youth and children. And I think that it would be a, a very cro a beautiful cross, you know, place to do more of the artwork I do to put it into scenic design, but try to go give it to the to children. That's where my brain is at right now. <laughs> Theater is, you know, recently come back. I had to wait for a bit to get my work permission for, to work in the U.S. So, yeah, I hope that that's what's going to happen next for me. And now a moment for our sponsor. The Theatre Art Life podcast is proud to be sponsored by Harlequin. Harlequin is the world leader in floors, stage systems and studio equipment for the performing arts. Established in the UK over 40 years ago, Harlequin is the preferred performance floor for the world's most prestigious dance and performing arts companies, theatres and schools. From the Royal Opera House to the Bolshoi Theatre, the New York City Ballet to the Royal New Zealand Ballet. Harlequin's experience and reputation are founded on the development, manufacture and supply of a range of high-quality sprung and vinyl floors specifically designed for dance and the performing arts. Backed by an engineering team and independent research, Harlequin also designs, builds and refurbishes stages working with stage engineers and theatre consultants in leading venues across the world. Harlequin is the global leader in its field with offices in Europe, the Americas and Asia-Pacific. Find out more at harlequinfloors.com, H-A-R-L-E-Q-U-I-N floors.com. You've worked, or uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you've worked also on large-scale shows, right? And you've tried to use um, recycled materials for the shows. Can you share a little bit about that? What do you, like, shows of... Uh, like, just bigger shows that need more materials or that are... The ones like, like how could we, or how has been your experience trying to get um, this idea of recycled materials into larger scale shows? Well, it's an abundant resource. The issue is it's, I haven't found, I mean, in Chile, I have some really good technical directors for me. Here in the US, I haven't found like, So, for instance, I did this dance piece uh, just coming into grad school. It was for a larger dance piece. I did the drafting. It was great because I could like with my I didn't know how to draft before grad school. So I was able to calculate how much plastic I would need to, to get, which had never been a thing for me. Like I was able to draw the dimensions of plastic bags, put it into space. And I knew exactly what I needed. And it was amazing. And I was like so proud of myself, like. My whole drafting package was all about like calculation of material that I needed to find first time in my life, right? Um, and I was like, this is amazing. Like a world was opening up for me uh, because it used to just be random. And I really was, was like, I don't know, however much we'll get and we'll see what we make. And for the first time, I was like, I want to make this. And if I get this, I need to get this much and I'll make that. Amazing. Beautiful skill to have. I get to the I get to the technical directors and they're doing a series of different shows. My classmates that had done like a very, you know, precise wall or or like set of like, you know, furniture with I don't know. They got they got the technical directors to make for them. And for me, they were like, I mean, if you want to do this, you're going to have to make it yourself. So I made it myself. It took me literally two hours. 
you know, it, and it was interesting because I'd always had this like weird process with my art where I didn't know what I was going to get to. And it took me so much time to munch on the idea to have the material and know what to do with it. And this time I didn't have the process was inverse. I was able to draft it. I was able to think about it. I was able to play with garbage and scale and kind of check it out how I wanted it to be. I calculated exactly what I needed to do. And then to make the art piece took me nothing. And then to undo it. And then, of course, this was like a big, huge net with a bunch of plastic bags weaved into it. Took me no time at all. It was fine. I mean, not so fine, but it was fine. And then when I, 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 it was done, the show was done, I grabbed the plastic bags, put it into three little bags. They fit literally like the size of a garbage bag, like a larger bin garbage bag. It was two or three. Took it to Whole Foods and they recycled it. <laughs> done. <laughs> done and, but but yeah I mean who I, I'm looking at I'm looking for a technical director that might want to you know understand and and put their hands into it <laughs> get, get in the game get in the game with you uh-huh. <laughs> I might know someone in the northeast area that might be game for it okay cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah so do you like I'm very because I've never really seen a whole lot. I've seen a little bit of how it's used or cardboard being used as a main source. But mostly, I mean, there's there's some props that have been made. There's like some furniture that now has been made. There's um, some visual artists that use it. It's been used in, in animation and stop motion. Are there any other artists or any other designers you you follow, you use of it as inspiration or that you talk to about this? Do you feel like alone in the world doing all this cardboard work? No, I'm very aware that out in the world, it's, it's you know, it's synchronicity. Every time I think about something and I start making it and I make one thing and then I discover there's someone in Japan thinking the same that I was thinking. So I don't think we're copying each other. I do, I do believe that there's a collective consciousness about things like that, especially in art. You know, it's kind of weird. You, mm. it, it always happens. <laughs> and I always thought like, oh, that means I'm in the right path. You know, I'm like not totally a freako. I, I don't feel alone at all. I, I guess like that um, moving to New York, I felt a little bit more like on the outskirts of things. I, I, I I'm just starting to like refill myself and my body and what I need to do I, I get a little pause on on my work with garbage for the last six years because I was in grad school it wasn't well received or I didn't feel like it was well received and then I mean that experience I told you was my the only experience I had in grad school with that I haven't like I guess I need to like network more and see about education and kids um you know, the world was on hold for a year and then I was on hold for another year. I did in that time was able to get involved with a lot of kids and education and did do a lot of like puppet making with garbage. And and that I felt I had like my new allies, kids, you know, like immediately we like talked about a a cardboard box and that was it. Like the whole year went on gracefully. So my thesis in undergrad is kind of funny. It was a whole thesis just on research cardboard. So I'm a bit of an obsessive cardboard person. I love it. <laughs> I it's love beautiful. It. Yeah. <laughs> I researched like why cardboard was created and 
how it's created and why it was created. And, and when, and, and, and I, and when I tapped into was a lot of art by Art Povera, Italian, like seventies and sixties artist, which is very like, yeah. So it's kind of Povera means poor, right? Poor art, which is like, I'm totally game for that. And then I just really, then it was like, it made so much sense to have as an artist, the capability of, creating beautiful things as designers also to create amazing, valuable things with materials or objects that are considered unvaluable. I think like, that's like a magic alchemic touch that you can give to the world. Uh, and I think from there on, that was like influenced in me, Michel Gondry, the director. I, I was super lucky that on my first exhibition, the one of the persons that had done the maquettes for Michel Gondry, The Science of Dreams, went to my exhibition in Chile, found me, we became friends, and we actually, like, uh, he's the guy that got me into film. So that's super cool. And I was doing a cardboard city installation the same year that Michel Gondry was, was the film Science of Dream was coming out, which is Uh, like a news broadcast and like a little city and all this like little cardboard imaginary worlds. So, so that was, and I didn't like, I'd already done my cardboard city when that movie came out. And then the guy that had been doing the maquettes comes to my exhibition and <laughs> it was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> then uh, let's see other art. There's so many artists actually. Uh, Chris Gilmore, he's a North American. I totally copied his work to learn a little bit from him. I made like a motorcycle and a, and a bicycle made out of cardboard in my own style, but it was totally influenced by him. He's awesome. And there's just a lot of designers now that are, are creating, especially with cardboard. Mm. Yeah. That's great. There's so many. <laughs> yeah. Is there like something particularly or a project, you know, because I think changing laws is going to change some of the practices in the industry. And I think working with children is also obviously you change young minds and that sets a path for the a pipeline for the future awareness. So that's two good initiatives, but is there something, a project or a show or something that you want to see manifest in your career that you'd like to do particularly? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have What a lot. Uh, <laughs> okay. I want to do pop-up theater spaces made out of trash for all sorts of community where you get, Uh, ex musical experiences, storytelling experiences. And I want this space to be able to travel the world and cities and communities that don't have access to culture. Uh, that's one project. And for many years now, and this is like where I stopped doing my art installations in Chile and then got into grad school to have better skills to be able to really do it. I want to do, I want to grab plastic like from the oceans and from the beaches. Um, and I want to make a giant, giant, real life scale blue whale where in some pavilion or, you know, I'd do it in Times Square if I could and make people have the experience of listen to blue whale songs and have to be inside that garbage world and understand the scale of these beautiful animals that we're affecting. <laughs> no, I just threw out my secrets. <laughs> no, that's, that's that's amazing. I have two thoughts. I have two thoughts about that. I have a person you should meet who's doing a wonderful <laughs> an initiative for the orca 
um, orcas on the California mm. coast and she's doing a, um, a performance art and uh, in raising awareness and it's a it's a really good initiative it's something somebody you should know and then the second thing that I think about that is you just have to come to some of the beaches that used to I used to live in Macau and um, <laughs> on Haxar Beach because it's a the mouth of one of the rivers that come out of China um, washes the trash around from China to the beach and um, I used to sometimes walk my children down to the beach and we'd have to walk through two meters of trash before we could get in the water and I was always so like devastated because I just was like thinking my children are growing up thinking that this is normal you know that there's like that kind of trash on the beach and I think it's amazing because I, I think there's such an intangible especially when you think about oceans people can't see it so it's not very tangible for them right like they don't know how much trash but especially where I live it's very visceral for us it's visible in the water there is no beach that's clean it's if you could gather that up and make a big whale and put it in Times Square I would actually put it on Coca <laughs> put it on Coca-Cola's uh front lawn would be my preference yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. because if you mm -hmm. stop the for me when I think about laws if people were taxed by their carbon footprint, they would change yep. things tomorrow. And those people, yep. like, I get ab agitated, and I'll get on my high horse now, I get agitated that I'm asked to recycle this, but you should yep. stop making this is the yep. problem. And, and if you created and laws that where people these were not able to be made and there was, because there mm -hmm. are other solutions out there. We know it. We have technology. We're smart people. We can create things that we don't need to be that are a sustainable product. But there's been, yeah. those companies have no incentive to do so. And that's what makes me frustrated, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the problem. So, right. That's why, that's where I say that making art with upcycle, I'm very aware is not the solution, right? No. Mm. It's, it's not. The solution is what you're saying. Mm. and then you know I try to go about my life going around with like refilled bottles and <laughs> and like uh and it's really hard and New York is one of like the dirtiest less aware conscience of their garbage cities I, I guess you lived in Asia that was even worse mm. uh but yeah I don't know like Coca-Colas are such better tasting when they're in um Plus. right Everything mm -hmm. tastes better when it's in a glass bottle, right? And why can't we like return that glass bottle and then get another drink out of it and just save money on mm. the whole envelope part? Well, we but, used to, at least here in Mexico, you'd have like your case of glass bottles yeah. and then you take them to the store and get a new one, put them in the fridge. Yeah. yeah. And Chile too. And Chile too, but you know, but I mean, yeah. You, we have to. This, this is a, this is a legislation thing. Who do we write to? Uh, I was yeah. <laughs> this had, last week. I was in the. I'm tempting myself. I need to write to AOC. Will she engage with me? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a good point. I, a, a friend of mine who is a, she's from Belgium, and we both lived in Hong Kong, and we were we were wanting to perform a coalition actually in Hong Kong um, of people in Hong Kong to write to companies like that and try to you know. But life is busy, and we raising kids and we're you know it's it's all of these initiatives there's got to be enough people collectively you know and every time I do you know I was in the UAE 
and we were doing this massive event and I was trying to get them to, because especially in the UAE, you walk into any boardroom and you whatever and there's just like 20 of those sitting on the table and, you know, and and I was like, okay, so we're doing this event and we're going to, can we have like a water fountain with filtered water and then people have plastic, like no, I mean cardboard cups. Can we at least do that? And I was like I was an alien from another planet. They were like, why would we do that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, look, but we could just just do one thing for the environment. Can we just do one thing? <laughs> it's really hard. It's, 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 that, yeah. That's the that's that's the one I, I have seen at work. Every time I do an O a piece, and as I as my work evolved before coming to the US it, with more of my artwork, it it did work. You know, like I did have the life experience of seeing how it does work. So I would work with a community, we would they would be consuming their plastic bottles and their, you know, plastic containers, and I would make them clean it. And so they were immediately like realizing that in a week they had this, you know, bag of just you know, trash and they, they had to be responsible for it. So clean it. Okay. Like, you know, just like even your trash, when you are recycling house, like clean it and realize what you have and what you're, what you're like amounting to and what you're giving to the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so then that's like contributing to mindfulness, right? Because Mm. you become aware, like, like I, I do believe that it's all like a wholesome holistic thing. It's like, we're just like, so exposed to too much, so much, so like in anxiety of society being sold things. We're not even aware of ourselves. We're not aware of the person next to you. We're not aware of how we're putting out, what we're putting out into the world. We're just disposing, 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 disposing. So, so, you know, take the moment and like, and clean your trash and just breathe in that moment. And what does that do to you? You know, like that little piece. And then, so that experience, like I was, very touched with, I was doing this with the fishermen in, in Valparaíso. And so with the ladies, we would walk around the beach, recover all their like wasted nets and plastic bottles and, you know, left in the beach. And then they would take it back in bags and we would clean it and just have a conversation around it. And they started like, I would go back, they'd set fresh fish there and I would go back and they'd be like already incorporated it into their like daily as like these women were like suddenly in a week they were they already changed like what they were thinking about you know with their the things that they had around them and then so then we created something with it and they were like hey, like I can give value to my waste you know and and it's just a metaphor for humanity right now so the click it's it's true like it's it's not the solution but it does click something inside when people get to experience that mm. oh, that's a good point Mm-hmm. So if there's a producer, a director, a TV <laughs> that wants to work with you. Yes, we're putting yeah, an open call out now to all of us. <laughs> yeah, Maria is looking for a good TD that wants to come take yeah. the industry by storm with uh, with recycled <laughs> materials and upsc- up, yes. up, yeah, upcycling and mm-hmm. responsibly disposing. So yeah, and yeah. educational institutions and and producers. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So, <laughs> so where would where would find uh, you, where, where would they find you? Where, how do how do they how do we get in contact with you? Do you want to leave my email and my my phone number? <laughs> we can I put have, it on the uh, we can put it on the post. So don't show, worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because my last name is Foye Dyson. I don't think you're going to be able to spell it right now. My webpage is La Maria Maria Maria. So three Marias. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'll leave you all the info. 
Yeah, I think it's going to happen. I mean, little by little, I've just started thinking and like getting motivated again with it. I, I finally have my my work visa in the U.S. and I'm able to like move forward and not be held back in life. Yeah. And I, and it's interesting, you guys interview me. I just got like a commission last week that I did the proposal for. People are talking and reaching out. It's like I just I had the thought again in my brain and it's immediately starting to like, <laughs> yeah. well, something's you know, going to happen. It's important work and um, we appreciate um, you spending time with us today and uh, sharing with you, you know, your goals and, and your your ambitions to the projects that you want to do. And we wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the space to talk. Awesome. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Theatre at Life is a global media site for entertainment. Memberships start at only $38 US per year. You can have unlimited access to our daily published articles, including entertainment news and the writings of active industry professionals, ensuring that you are always up to date on the global happenings in the world of entertainment. Become a part of the international entertainment community and join us now at www.theaterartlife.com.